The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan, and I will be your host for today. And I have an exciting guest with us. Uh, his name is Nicholas Hines, and he is one of the Forge speakers. Thanks so much for joining us, Nicholas. Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to have you here, and we are sitting in a coffee shop in Marion, Indiana, which is your hometown, right? Yes, indeed. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm a Forge speaker. Uh, came on as a speaker this past January and uh, uh, previously went through the Firebrand program before that. Um, and uh, along with uh, stepping on as a speaker in January, uh, my wife and I also uh, are um, the lead pastors of a church here in uh, Marion, Indiana. Uh, it's called God's House. What a cool name. Yeah. What, what's the history of that name? Um, that's a great question. I, I honestly don't know. Um, uh, the, the church started in the uh, somewhere around the year 2000, 2001, and um, we started there. Um, that's when the church started with that name. Cool. Um, and it's just been the same ever since. I, I love it. It's yeah. unique. Yeah. My local church name is Grace, which I have no problem with, yeah. but it's not very unique. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. distinguish us from the other eight graces within yes. a square mile. <laughs> I, do, I do like, I, I never saw myself as a local pastor. Um, it, it had not really been on the radar. And in fact, I remember, you know, years ago saying to some friends, I was maybe 23. This is about 10 years ago. I'm about, I'm 33 now. And, uh, we were coming out of a church service and someone said to me, Hey, you should be, you ever thought about being a pastor, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'll never be a pastor. You know, that's not really, you know, uh, but the Lord just, he just made it so clear to our family that uh, this was to be the step that we would take the next, you know, the next step in ministry and in life. And so, um, yeah, we've been here since January. It's been wonderful. Wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be a laborer in the context of the local church? Yes. And uh, I think that you'll bring a really unique perspective to all of that, um, being as you are a laborer, yeah. someone with that heart. Uh, and believe me when I say that Nicholas actually practices what he preaches. Um, he, as I've been hanging out with him just the last 48 hours to 72 hours, he, everywhere he goes, he just brings the peace and the joy and the presence of God with him. It is, uh, it's cool to see. And he just, wherever he goes, whoever he encounters is just like, how can I minister to this person in this moment? It seems like it's the first question on your mind, always. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so it, you practice what you preach. So you're a laborer, but you're also a local church pastor. Yeah. And that is a really unique position to be in. So tell me about it. Yeah, it's, it's like really fresh on my heart um, because uh, it's really fresh on my heart because I'm a, like now I'm a local church pastor and a forge speaker. And so I have over the past seven months like gained a deep appreciation in a way that I didn't have before one for pastors and two like a love for the local church you know a love for the the bride of christ 
Um, and, uh, and so it's like a very, it's just like, uh, being a labor within the context of your local church and really being a part of a local church is so valuable. Yeah. And I think because like, I think because people have been hurt by the local church or people see the flaws in the body of Christ, sometimes they're like, I don't, I'm not about that. I'm not about organized religion or local church involvement or things like that. And so it gets, uh, it's tough sometimes. And I think, um, so like I've experienced some of that, but just this past six months, I'm like, okay, wow. Um, I mean, I knew it was important to be a part of local church before I became a pastor. Uh, but now I'm like, oh my goodness, it is so valuable. Mm. Like even to the being on this side of the coin, you know, as as a leader as instead a leader, of a layperson, instead of a layperson within the local church is like, well, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. What is it that you get? <laughs> I get what I get is like, um, like I, I, I think I did, I did a sermon on this a long time ago, actually at another church. But um, I, what I get and have discovered is like the incredible value of having people come and be a part of a local body, like in a covenant way, mm. you know? So like, it's very popular now these days to sort of, um, to have like a contractual lifestyle, you know? So I actually, I was doing a sermon a while back and I, I asked the audience, um, it was a sermon about the local church. This was years ago or a year ago. And I said to them, I said, are you cohabitating with your local church? Or are you covenanting with your local church? Mm. You know? Um, because it's very popular right now to sort of cohabitate with a with a with a um, you know with your significant other, and uh, there's some sort of some contractual things that go along with that. It's like let's let's live together and kind of see how things go, uh, and let's kind of feel things out and see if this works for us. And I'll kind of do my part, you do your part. We'll do a fifty fifty, and uh, we'll kind of you know we'll, we'll just you know we'll do that. Okay. You know, but covenant covenant relationship means like. I'm going to commit. I'm going to give 100% no matter whether I feel like you're giving me 100% back or not. You know, uh, that's a whole lot different than, you know, um, sort of coming into your local church with this mindset of like, what can I get out of this? Right. You know, and so I've discovered as a, as a pastor and a laborer recently within the past year of like, we have had people come into our body with this heart posture of, um, oh my goodness, I want to serve. I'm so excited. And it like, it, the, for me as a pastor, it gets so exciting because I'm like, yes, all right. Like mm-hmm. I see your heart and we're like a, we're a church of about 60 or 70 people. And so like we love helping people discover their unique purposes and how it can connect to our local church and expand the ministry of the local church, like because we need that creativity. And so um, it's wonderful. You know, but then we've had other people sort of interact with us in that less covenant way, a little bit more like, what can I get out of this? And you can feel it. You can feel it. And um, it it's not as, uh, it's a lot less helpful for the body. Yeah. What, what would you say are the characteristics of someone who has that contractual relationship with the church? Like if, if I was trying to diagnose myself yeah. as somebody who is either contractual or covenant, yeah. how would I do that? Yeah. So... Um, a couple things come to mind is uh, you might be you might have a contractual relationship with your church if uh, if it's all about you 
Mm. And it's all about your experience. Um, it feels like a Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might You're, be. You might be. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So if it's all about you, or if uh, if it's all about you, or if you're um, constantly concerned about what you're getting out of something, um, you might be. You might have a contractual relationship with the church. Now, there's tension there because sometimes people, there it is. It is like that's the beauty of that's the beauty of of covenant is like it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. You know. Not in a not in a contractual way though of like when we pour out you know the greatest way that we can actually receive something, um, Scripture says it's better to give than it is received. So when we pour out our gifts and our talents and our resources in the local church. You actually um, like it can actually make it um, you you like you'll get dividends you know mm-hmm. um, from the giving that you do to your church. Like the kingdom will get that and, right there, and, and it's not just financial dividends mm-hmm. like yeah. as we might think of that word it's yeah. it's like there's joy and exactly. there's contentment exactly. and there's like there's an excitement in being able to use your gifts in the context of the local church yeah. and when you st- when you change your paradigm from from what can i get out of this to what can i give to this yeah. your heart changes your mm-hmm. mind changes the color of the carpet and the nature of the walls and these kinds of things become less important yeah. not to say that they're not important at all cuz we yeah. want to serve people well yeah. but at the same time, they become less important, important, and you start thinking about things in terms of the mission of God and yes. the gospel and mm-hmm. who God is and what He desires to accomplish. And like it, every moment goes from being like, and I think I've heard you use something along these lines. Every moment goes from being like an ordinary moment to being an extraordinary moment yeah. because it's you plus Jesus in that moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's one thing that's in my mind. Is if it's all about you or you're constantly constantly concerned about you know how things are pleasing you that that might be uh contractual you know um Mm. another thing comes to mind is uh like if um uh like if if church is boring to you Mm. um that could be you know i would maybe slow down talk to the lord about that maybe that's you know if church is boring to you uh you should you know maybe that is kind of indicative of you trying to feel like you need to be entertained or, you know, what can I get out of this? How's this make me feel? You know? Mm. Um, and then even like the idea of what we're talking about, like church, you know, I said, is church boring to you? You know, cause right when I, even when I say that I'm thinking, it sounds like what I'm talking about is the Sunday service boring to you. And I'm calling that the church, but that's not the church. The church is the body of Christ, the group of people. So right. if that Sunday service is boring to you and that's what you call church, then you then that's another thing you need right. to think about is like that may be another thing you should reflect on is like you don't have a good understanding of the church mm. you know um, brief aside I think a lot of times that comes from like the simple language that we use yeah you know uh, whenever we say um, to our children all right get in the van we're going to God's house you know we say we say that we're going to God's house mm. that's the name of our building is God's house uh, we don't say we're going to church because church is not a place we go to. It's who we are. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, we're particularly keen on that uh, with our with our four-year-old and our two-year-old because we want to teach them the language. Of, language develops what we think about things. Right. And so, um, uh, so, yeah, if church is boring to you, you know, or your Sunday service is boring to you, I would, you know, maybe slow down. Talk to the Lord about that, you know. Um, uh, I, I think I've heard some you know, various people say, you know, uh, if you read the Bible, you're bored. It's not the Bible, it's you. You know, you got to think about it. Right. You know, it's not you. It's uh, it's not God, the, it's you. The you Bible's know? not boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I've I actually recently 
like really been processing through the language we use around mm. Christianity. Yeah. And I found it so lacking. Yes. <laughs> because <clears throat> like Christianese, like it's so full of great powerful sayings mm -hmm. that have become cliche over time because yeah. There's truth to them, but at the same time, so few people experience that truth, it seems yeah. like, that it, it becomes cliche. Anyway, we don't have yeah. to get into all that, but I, just to be in agreement with you, I just feel like our language is lacking. Yeah. Maybe we can figure out a better way to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how you know you have a contractual relationship with the church. How do you know that you have a covenant relationship? Like, what's the difference in your attitude? What, yeah. what kinds of things do you bring to the table? And especially from your perspective as a leader, yeah. like, what is the blessing to you as a leader? Yeah, so covenant people will, it's not that you don't have needs or desires, you know, like, because contractual people are thinking about, like, what can I get from this? If you're a covenant person, it's not that you're not acknowledging where you wish things could be better. Mm -hmm. You know, that's evidence of you caring about something. You know, though I, as a pastor, I love when people give me their opinions because mm -hmm. it shows me that they care deeply. I'm like, that's good. As sometimes it is the way that things are communicated and the way that you receive them as a lead pastor is uh, exceptionally difficult. Um, and sometimes people are downright, you know, kind of not respectful, you know? Uh, but at least I'm getting opinions that shows people that I care. So it's not that you don't have an opinion, but if you're a covenant person, covenant people will say, they might look at the bride and say, man, okay, this is like not, I'm not jiving with the way that this pastor is speaking. I'm not jiving with the music or, so there's a different of heart posture. So it's not that you're not seeing those things, but the, the question goes, okay, like, it's like, if you're to look at this, look at, um, like, uh, you know, for example, let's say the Bride of Christ was my two-year-old daughter. You know, I see her. Uh, she's got a runny nose right now, so she's got, you know, uh, a, a runny nose. So I see this little imperfection in her face, and I think to myself, how can I love on her? How can I go and clean her up and, and wipe mm -hmm. her off a little bit? A covenant person will say, hey, I see these things. How do I utilize who I am to make this local church more beautiful, mm -hmm. you know? Whereas a contractual um, person in that same illustration might be like, you as the husband go to your wife and be like, why is this this way yes, kind of exactly, thing? Yes. Yeah. And you get, you know, and sometimes you get that is people, you know, uh, sometimes people will come to a local pastor and they'll have a frustration about some somebody else in the body or something. And one of my favorite questions to ask people is, did you talk to them about it? Mm. And they're like, oh, no, I wanted you as the, you know, I've not gotten that in my particular local church. You know, we've, we've been there about seven or eight months. I've not gotten someone to say to me that, but I've heard of stories like that where people are like, oh, I wanted the, the pastor to talk to them. Like, well, actually, that's the beauty of the body, you know, is you have a unique personality, you have unique giftings, and a unique relationship with all the people around you. Mm. This, uh, one of the greatest things you can think about when you see that imperfection of the body is what is your responsibility to try to make that more beautiful, you know? Um, uh, so that covenant people see problems and they ask the question, what is my responsibility and making making this bride more beautiful? Um, it's one of my one of my favorite questions to ask people is when they come to me as a leader and they have uh, they see an opportunity for things to be better. I ask them uh, like, okay, what, what's your idea to make that better? Mm -hmm. You know, you see a problem. What's your idea? How do you think? I put it back on them. You know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's so fascinating. It, it's empowering to people. Like, well, that's thank. That's a great question. Let's see. Maybe we can do it this way. Maybe we can do it that way. 
or you get the contractual person who's like, oh, I didn't, I wasn't really looking for a solution proactively. I didn't think I could be engaged in it. I just wanted to complain to you about the problem. You know? Right. Um, and so, uh, covenant people look at problems and they see things as, you know, oh, how can I make this more beautiful? Covenant people, um, uh, covenant people uh, are excited about the mission of their body and have uh, an, uh, an internal perspective of how their their body can you know love each other better and an ex- external missional perspective as well you know mm-hmm. of like okay what does it look like for our local church to impact the community around us you know mm-hmm. um uh so they're looking inwardly to encourage and uplift and make better yeah and they're looking externally missionally saying how can i impact and influence the people around me so that they can hear the good news of jesus yeah absolutely yeah. awesome that's powerful, man. Yeah, uh, it's such great insight, and I love the I love the vocabulary that you have created around it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it brings a lot of clarity. Yeah. Uh, I know that I personally, as an itinerant, but also as somebody who takes part in in a local church, have taken note of these realities. Yeah. And it's easy, even on the leadership side, to start being like, "Oh, you're just one of them." Yes. And so the fact that you haven't just been like, oh, you're just one of them, but you've engaged them in the process of growing them, like yeah. that, that that's beautiful. Yes. I don't know what else, what other word to use. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, do you have any other kind of final thoughts on this? Oh, actually, I did have one question. So what is the blessing to you as a leader yeah. when someone has that laborer attitude, that covenant oh, attitude? yeah. Man, when someone, it is a, it is such a blessing to me as a leader. What it makes me want to do is like blow fresh wind on the fire of their heart of what it is. You mm-hmm. know, like that's amazing. Like, hallelujah. Like when people are engaged it, and, and, and like they're served, I'm like, I want to like elevate you mm-hmm. like in any way possible to make that, those dreams come alive. Now that's maybe I'm a church of about 60 or 70 Maybe, you know, if you go to a church that's a little bit bigger, I, I think they probably have a similar leadership style of how do we elevate and help those things. We're, you know, we're a little bit different in the fact that because we're so small, we have a lot of flexibility. Like, sure, let's give this a go, you mm-hmm. know? Um, where a lot of times maybe if a, a bigger church might have a, some systems in place or some things that are more, you know, um, that they've done traditionally or things like that. Um, but, uh, but, like, I love just... It's amazing. I get to fan into flame of like, great, that's amazing. Mm. I love the way that God that God's wired you. Let's make that come alive, you know. And it seems like instead of being a drag on your energy and time, they end up even being to you an uplift. Oh, for sure, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's like, as a leader, that's my personal leadership style. Is like, I will pursue people that feel hurt and you know frustrated or things like that, or maybe. They're, they're pulling away a little bit. Like, it's my job to do everything I, de- I can to move into connection with them, mm. you know, as a member of my local church. But at the end of the day, like, I can't force them to... I mean, relationships go two ways. I can't force them to be, you know, in, in relationship with me or something. So so when people are coming with such vigor and excitement of like, all right, yeah, what would it look like for me to make this bride more beautiful? Mm. Um, I'm like, yeah, sweet. That's awesome, you know? Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much, Nicholas. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your insight. And uh, do you have any other encouragements to people who might be listening right now? Yeah. um, Yeah, I would. um, 
I would encourage you, like, if you're wondering, okay, like, so, like, one thing we talk about with Covenant is, like, Covenant has, like, a sense of loyalty and faithfulness, you know? Mm. Like, to walk with the community in the ups and downs, you mm. know? Sometimes you get to a point of, like, you are, like, uh, like, you get to a point where, um, you're wondering, like, uh, um, is the bride too broken to be a part of it anymore? Or is this like, are they biblical or not? So like, it's important that you would talk through, like talk through your relationship with your local church, like with people in your local church, with, with mentors, with, with people. And then like talk through that process, you know, um, cause like, uh, you want to make sure your church is biblical like following the Bible, uh, that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. You want to make sure your church is on mission. That's mm-hmm. not just sort of a social club where everyone goes and feels good about each other in our relationships. Like we, you want to see your church growing, multiplying, mm-hmm. you know, um, and t- making efforts to multiply and to disciple others who will disciple others who will disciple others. I, I would look for that in a church as you think about covenant, you know, because maybe you're listening to this, you're like, I don't, I'm not part of a local church. I would do that, you mm-hmm. know. And then the one final thing, too, is um, at, particularly as a leader, if you're a laborer within a local church, go to, instead of going to your leader with a list of these are the things I'm unhappy about, would you go to your leader, where whoever that person is, lead pastor, youth group leader, go to them with questions mm-hmm. with, with, and ask them, go to them with a heart posture of curiosity. When mm-hmm. you find yourself unhappy about something in your local church, it is such a blessing, and you will actually you'll actually get more traction and more favor for the thing you're unhappy about if you will go to your leader with, if you will set up a time with them and say, "I have some questions about the youth group," or mm-hmm. "I have some questions about this." Would we be able to get together and talk with them? And then approach them with questions and with curiosity. Mm-hmm. As a leader, oh my goodness, that is and that is so much. It is so easy to walk through the process with things because chances are, if you're unhappy about something with your local church, that's that's not the whole story. You know, it's not the whole story. Your perspective isn't the whole story. So you slowing down and saying, "Okay, this is this is really annoying me." You know, this is bothering me, which we all have that with any anything in your life. You have that, and so like if if you take a moment to like like covenant people slow down and they take a moment to say, like, "Okay, wait, wait, wait." Let me approach this with curiosity and with questions. And uh, if you want your voice to be heard, particularly as a young adult um, or someone that is engaging in the local church, if you're in that 18 to 25 or 18 to 30 range, um, go to your leaders with questions and set up a time. Let them know what, what's that meeting about. Like, hey, I'd love to get together with you. Can we spend about 30 minutes talking about um, whatever's on your mind, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then come to them with questions and curiosity, You'll, your voice will actually be heard more with that approach than the approach of... Here's my list of... Here's my list of stuff that I'm all unhappy about, you right. know? Uh, I, you know, um, it's, it's powerful stuff. I, you know, as a... When I was... I'm 33 now. Uh, when I was 18 and 19 and 20 and 25, I don't know. Like, I did not always approach things super well and just... This, you know, and then I was like, why isn't anyone listening? You know, it's like, oh, it's because I'm like not walking with the fruit of the spirit here. You yeah. Know? 
uh, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and self-control. You know, like let's slow down here a little bit and and think through the process of I might not have the full story here of why this church made this particular decision. You know, um, let me just get curious so that I can try to understand more. And then usually that builds our empathy for other people mm. and our understanding and then we can actually love our body even better, you know, be more engaged with the local church because we have a better understanding of it. So, Amen. Yeah. Nicholas, thank you so much for yes. your time. Really appreciate you, man. Um, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, what would be the best way? Um, you can check me out on uh, forceforward.org as a speaker. Uh, Sweet. I'd love to connect with you. Or you can check out our website, uh, visitgodshouse.com. You know, we're in Marion. And, uh, if you're down in the area, come visit us. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate your insight and uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.